Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show called T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. For those of you who would like to follow along and listen to our show, we're also on air on Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Please see your local listing on voiceamerica.com at the Variety Channel. As always, uh, we are very happy that our listeners uh, keep increasing. We have our international uh, countries that are listening and, uh, and that uh, the audience keeps growing. As a reminder to our audience, the purpose of T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technology, is to integrate scientists, engineers, and innovators with the non-techie folks. And uh, I'm especially happy today because as an enthusiast, as a geek, uh, I've got Mr. Mike Garrigan, a uh, fellow space enthusiast who will be joining me today to talk about our topic today, space, why return to the moon. Uh, before I get into that, to keep our audience involved in the T3 show, call 866-472-5788 or email me todaytomorrowtechnologies at gmail.com. As I said, today's topic is space, why return to the moon. Uh, many industries, uh, it takes a decade uh, to, to dramatically change and disrupt what we do, a new technology, new business model, a new service design. We're reaching that point in space. Uh, I've talked about space, two other shows, space, the next frontier, and what do we knew, know about space. So the intent today is to discuss why the uh, U.S. and commercial companies co- should return to mo- uh, the moon or go to Mars and really start that space exploration. So the discussion today is to provide that forum uh, to talk about space, space components, activities. Activities, uh, both from the U.S. and commercial companies and future space exploration and scientific discovery. As I said earlier, I've invited uh, Mr. Mike Gargan. Mike, uh, welcome to the show, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. And uh, what got you into space or the discussion of space and the study of space? I, I, first of all, thank you for having me, Jose. Um, my, uh, my, I guess it, it all started with... Um, the billions, hearing billions and billions being said by Carl Sagan over and over again, watching uh, Cosmos or whether it was just in, in the, the backyard looking through a telescope and seeing the night sky, um, it faces, just, space has always fascinated me. And, uh, and I think it, uh, it, it intrigues us from a fundamental human level as well. Right. And really, your interest is more of an enthusiast as a geek. Uh, just interest in space is what got you started. Uh, as you said, uh, uh, listening to the Carl Sagan show, uh, Billions and Billions, and of course, the Bill Nye show on, the, on scientific exploration and science itself. Uh, space has been an intriguing topic for this program. At least uh, we've had two or three shows on space itself. Uh, I'm happy to have you on board. I want to talk about space because really, it is the next frontier. 
here. And there's a lot of activities that are going on right now and a lot of technology that has been developed because humans went to space, because we traveled to the moon, because we have the International Space Station. So let's talk a little bit about uh, that journey. Why should we even go back to uh, the moon and then eventually get back to Mars? What do, what do you see are, uh, well, there's definitely risk, but what is the return on investment or the uh, advantages and objectives? Sure. Great. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, you're always going to have a couple uh, camps of, or a couple different areas of thought. One, it's the uh, cost. So, what the being able to go up is uh, that that's a risk, a cost. But um, but more so, there's a human factor, and then there's a um, a moving forward factor. So, from a human factor, when you think about it, um, humans are explorers. You know, we've always wanted to explore. We've always had questions and wanted to find out what's beyond. And to to stymie that is uh, would be it would be sad if we didn't, if we couldn't explore what uh, the unknown, if we couldn't get out there and try to find out uh, more about who we are, where we came from, and, and what the world that we live in and, and what's the uh, the universe around us. So I think there's a part of a, uh, just a human factor where we, we just like exploring and we want to know more to, to expand our horizons. Uh, but from a, a practical standpoint, uh, there's a... A huge benefit to having a it, just an influx of of innovation, influx of uh, development dollars, just an influx of um, knowledge that the U.S. government can can really f- facilitate by enabling some some of the, the technology to solve challenges that we face along the way. Uh, and some of these challenges weren't available or did we didn't see uh, back in the 60s when uh, when we first got to the moon. So there's a lot of new challenges out there now that we're going to need to face. If we want to get back there again, or to Mars. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about uh, why even space. Because I, a lot a lot of folks will say, "Man, we spent billions of dollars going to the moon, and all the space uh, activity that's going on." And what do we get out of it? And that's uh, really the number one question. I'd like to tell that to audience. I mean, uh, from uh, our space exploration and the technology development, both to uh, leave Earth orbit to travel to the moon. I mean, the number one thing that I think about is uh, is real easy is the Velcro. Uh, Velcro would not be around because they needed something to uh, keep the garments closed. Artificial limbs, uh, invisible braces, scratch-resistant lenses, space blanket came from space. The computer mouse uh, came from uh, from the development. Uh, we needed smaller things, and we had to move uh, the computer screen without touching the screen itself. Uh, baby formulas came from it. Uh, uh, we talked earlier, Mike, uh, before the show started. Uh, you know the safety on the highways and wa- water filtration, infrared ther- thermometers, and so these are just the small things that we discovered from space and space exploration. And I think that's the reason most scientists and innovators and engineers are really excited about returning back to the moon because all these things are going to be, if we have them now, they're going to be improved. And there are going to be new studies that come out of it. And of course, uh, you know, where did the universe get started and how the universe got uh, a form has always been a, a, a mankind type question. So from your perspective, how do you see that playing into the future space? Uh, and I'd like to talk about, you know, Today, there was a lot of government, or in the past, there was a lot of government uh, uh, funding, but today there's more government 
a commercial uh, a privatization of space activities. Sure. Well, so first, I, I think um, I think it would be uh, I'm going to take back to uh, just a concept that um, that's kind of relevant to this. Is remember when the iPod first came out back in 2001? Uh, it's really sole focus. It was music. Well, what ended up happening was there's a, a niche industry that popped up that we couldn't foresee. Uh, that was podcasts. So something that mm-hmm. there was no really foreseeable future that the, that we there's no way that we could have told that said that there's a uh, uh, a new industry that's going to be available because of of the iPod. But what ended up happening is is an ancillary or a uh, a subsidiary industry that's underneath or a little uh, uh, a baby industry that is is booming now because of uh, that one little product. So to start off, I, I I'd say that to to be able to say and foresee what exactly can come from new technology is, uh, is it's nice to be able to predict, but I don't think uh, anyone who says that they can tell you exactly what's going to happen can know that, um, particularly because we need to in- invent, we need to uh, develop and, and create these ideas and th- these new uh, services, products, or, or things that make our lives better, or, uh, uh, or even be able to, to provide more Safety or healthcare. Uh, there's there's so many different industries and areas that uh, that this can can touch. Um, when you think about being able to go to the moon, well, part of that is going to be uh, historically it's been through um, chemical rockets, right? But if we're going to go to Mars, we're going to need to have something that's uh, that's more efficient. We're going to need to have something that um, can take advantage of um, new modes of transportation. Uh, we're going to need to have uh, new more uh, new modes of communication. So there needs to have uh, a quick and easy way to to get information back and forth. Uh, with keeping in, in mind that we can only go, uh, we can only communicate as fast as the speed of light. So there is uh, there's a lot of different technologies that can be applied in different areas uh, when we're talking about being able to solve the challenges that it's going to take to get to the moon. Um, one of the things that I did, you mentioned, we, we talked about earlier, what were those the safety grooves? You've seen driving on the highway, um, these those little grooves on the road that uh, you, you may wonder why why are these little straight lines uh, on the on the road? Well, that actually that came from the landing of the space shuttle. We, we they they needed a safe way to uh, to help ensure uh, the proper landing of the space shuttle, and so they they discovered that hey, if we if we put these little grooves on the road or on the uh, the landing strip, right. it makes it better. So we applied that to other areas of our of our lives of our of our society to make it better and and uh, it, it just enhances um, our our industry overall our, our economy. It's just it, it it's super important to keep going it and make sure that we're growing and not being stagnant. So being a space geek and an enthusiast of uh, space and and just keeping up with the trends, I mean, is space the next frontier for us as humans? I think space is one of the next frontiers. I think that. It needs to be incorporated in terms of um, finding out what the next aha moment could be, what the next big thing could be. But I, I know that space is going to be a part of it, um, whether that is uh, finding out how to uh, create a better satellite or better get uh, be able to get things into orbit faster or uh, more efficiently, cheaper. Uh, it is going to be the next big thing because it's we, we only have one place to go and that's up. 
And as you, as we look at the uh, space industry now, and I, I really give credit to uh, uh, the uh, U.S. government, NASA, and of course the commercial companies, when NASA put out the bid for the uh, commercial crew development process, it was a multi-phase uh, uh, um, proposal that various companies competed for, and it, it had uh, the four phases. And now we're down to Boeing and SpaceX. And I think that that phasing of approach and the return on investment and that privatization of certain space comp- uh, activities uh, really led to where we're at today with. Uh, with uh, SpaceX and, of course, Boeing being uh, ready to be challenged the the trip to the moon. Uh, How did you see that advantage between government, NASA, and privatization? I I think there's a, there's a, a, we're in a world where we know that government is uh, not as efficient in terms of, there's more red tape with government, there's more bureaucracy when it comes to getting things done. Uh, You have to go through a lot of different hoops. But what government is good at is providing investments, providing research grants, providing the capabilities and the tools and and resources necessary for private industry to be able to take hold and and, and move forward at a much faster and and more effective rate. What I'm seeing is the the ability to have um, rules and regulations that's important to be able to make sure that uh, the folks who are getting up there have a a safe and uh, um, reliable way to get up into orbit. But being able to, to have competition is is really what what's separating today versus what we've seen in the past in the 60s and the Apollo uh, and Gemini programs. And as we've spent the last, uh, I mean, it's it's sad because we've been in an international space station. We've been studying it now for over 20 plus years. Uh, you know, come July, it'll be the 50th year since man been on uh, been at in space. Uh, so um, I think they arrived in 69, uh, left it in 72, and and therefore here we are uh, almost celebrating in July the 50th year. And we begin to think about going back to space and, and the type of uh, propulsion vehicles that we need, the type of uh, uh, spacecraft uh, capsule that we'll need. Uh, they're all, from a technology perspective, gotten better. Uh, and, and of course, uh, uh, just to keep the astronauts safe or man safe in the capsule, uh, taking out the water and the carbon dioxide, uh, the CO2, and ensuring that uh, uh, the capsule is safe. It can contend with any type of emergency. You know, the uh, NASA's uh, betting on the new capsule Orion uh, as its new capsule. And of course, they're betting on the, the space launch system as their major booster. So how do you see that being competitive as we move forward? And why should we have a, an Orion in a uh, space launch? system well so let me let me back up and, and say that I think what the government is doing very well right now is is managing the process and, and not saying here's what we're going to be doing but kind of just um, allowing it be, maybe think of it as like the project managers they're, they're the ones who are uh, consolidating the different aspects and leading where we want to go but leading letting private industry do what they do best so what uh, to answer your, your question, though, is I think it's important to, to realize that there's a lot of parallels between what goes into space, what's being developed, uh, and then think about how we could apply that practically here down, down in, uh, on Earth, whether it's through 
um, the, the water recalibrate uh, uh, recirculation that you mentioned, or maybe it's just ion propulsion be able to to uh, help uh, reduce some of the the CO two emissions within our, our atmosphere, or or habitat be able to uh, make arid uh, non livable plains and, and surfaces more habitable. So there's there's a lot of things that we can do in the, that we're solving challenges for in space that can be applied uh, down here today, or in the future. Yeah, I, I look at uh, just the new spacecraft, Orion, and they were talking about the capability because of the newer technology, the ability to save space, uh, you know, where before they needed about uh, uh, equal, about 127 basketballs. They, they keep mentioning that as an example in the crew compartment. But nowadays, because of the CO2 dispensing, the ability to use uh, better technology, the ability the computer systems are more uh, um, capable that they have been able to be more efficient. The propulsion system, same thing with a different propulsion system. Uh, it's got 33 engines around Orion, uh, the main uh, engine, and then, of course, 32 other to help steer the engine. The, you know, one of the things that we don't think about is the ability to hold heat and radiation. I mean, these are really, um, I guess, um, Issues that uh, are always challenging uh, in, in space travel is uh, the loss of heat and then, of course, the ability to shield heat as you enter the atmosphere again. And then, of course, radiation protection. So these are, you know, issues that we contend. Also, communication and navigation is not an easy part of the space travel. So the reason we're going back and we've got about two minutes uh, to the moon is to really sharpen our skills and to be able to go from Earth to the moon and back in order to make it a little bit more routine. As I said, it's going to be 50 years since uh, we've done this. And so, and there's a lot of, uh, while it seems simplistic to the common man because we've done it once, it's 50 years is a long time. It's like getting back on a motorcycle for me um, and trying to ride uh, the large cruisers it takes a while to get used to that so that's that's something we're gonna have to do uh, we've got about a minute left what what would how do you want to wrap this session up and as we move from uh, uh, government to privatization I, I, first off I, I'd like to also just about the Orion uh, the shuttle or the, the spacecraft itself I think one of the things that we're also not touching on is is how valuable is it to be able to have this international cooperation between uh, different nations and, and uh, uh, our, our allies to be able to, to work together, collaborate, and, and build a community rather than just uh, um, these uh, rival nations who are, are looking to uh, one-up each other, but rather than if we can work together, we can be a better uh, planet, be a better um, civilization, and, and be more prosperous. Yes. Well, folks, we're talking today, and uh, the show today is Space, Why Return to the Moon. I have my guest, uh, Mike Gargan, here. He's a space enthusiast, a hobbyist, uh, really a geek uh, when it comes to uh, studying uh, the science of space. Uh, he idolizes uh, Bill Nell, Nye, and Carl Sagan. And we've been talking about uh, the future of space, some of the uh, key technologies that were developed in space, why it's important to continue that tradition. And more importantly, how to use the next steps going back to the moon. Why are we going back to the moon? Because we have to walk that ladder again or ride the bike again in order to improve some of the knowledge base that we have. Anyway, we're off to our first commercial break. We'll be right back and I'll see you in a few minutes. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, You've been listening to the topic today is space, why return to the moon. My guest today is um, Mr. Mike Gargan, a space enthusiast, um, a scientist, geek, uh, and thrilled with uh, space and a technologist. We've been talking about uh, t- uh, flights to the moon, technology to the moon. Uh, now I'd like to switch it up a little bit because, you know, the solar system is something we're going to travel. We're going back to the moon to learn those initial baby steps that we took back in the Apollo stage. It's been over 50 years in July since uh, man touched uh, uh, the moon. So it's very interesting. There's 88 constellations, uh, constellations, uh, uh, you know, Earth, Ursula, Ursula Major and Minor, the Great Bear, the Big Dipper, uh, the Orion, Cassiopeia. Those are the big constellations that we have. And in space, uh, you know, Mike it, it talked a little bit about uh, Carl Sagan saying billions and billions of stars. Well, it's billions and billions of uh, of galaxies out there. So today I want to continue the, our discussion. We had uh, the Vice President, uh, Mr. Uh, Vice President Spence. Uh, Pence uh, said that we're going to go to the moon by 2024. We've got other uh, SpaceX saying that they'll be there in 2023, at least a flyby. And then, of course, uh, getting manned there in 2024. How do you see the next few steps with commercial participation and getting us to the moon there, Mike? Well, uh, first off, when we're talking about geekness, I, I, I must say that uh, that I did get my brand new time travel uh, time traveler T-shirt that I'm wearing right now, so uh, that I uh, thought it'd be appropriate to to wear that today. Um, I, I think what's important to realize is 
that, uh, as you mentioned, there's a there's a process, and and we wanted to make sure that um, there's we take manageable bites and chunks at, at uh, out of this endeavor. Where um, when we first started our our space our space program back in the 60s, uh, it really it was uh, started with the the Gemini program, and the Gemini program was uh, the sole purpose was to to make sure that we knew along the way the proper steps and and learn. Uh, the best way to go about uh, handling um, the challenges that face us by going to the moon. So uh, we can take that that type of, of uh, understanding and type of, of knowledge gathering and apply it moving forward. To, so where we can say, let's let's make sure we're we're learning along the way, uh, finding out what works, what doesn't work, uh, and then and then being it, be kind of agile and having a uh, you can think of it as like a, a technology project. There's like an agile methodology, so mm-hmm. that way we can. Um, really working uh, as efficiently as possible uh, and doing the best work with with everybody, not just um, one centralized place. But I think having a multiple organizations, multiple companies who are competing, but also working together, that's going to provide a, a much um, um, a more in, uh, a more enhanced field of, of uh, um, the best that we can do as a, as a uh, as a country. Yes, as I look across, I mean, we're looking about returning to the, to the moon, but uh, when you take a look at uh, commercialization and the next five years of just satellite launches, uh, newer con satellites, newer uh, weather satellites, newer, you know, all types of types of satellites that we use, and then you think about the next event, which is exploration of space, i.e., uh, not only the uh, uh, drones that are out there, but man, and going to the moons as a first step. Uh, SpaceX has uh, really fascinated everybody. Boeing has uh, between Boeing and SpaceX, they're they're competing to uh, get uh, supplies up to the International Space Station. The space station, as I said, has been up there quite a while. Uh, now the next few steps is uh, we talked a little bit about the Orion space capsule. I think that's going to be the major capsule, and of course the uh, a space launch system overall. The long-term travel, uh, the ability to keep the astronauts or humans safe is important. We talked about heat. We, we talked about radiation. We talked about carbon monoxide. I, I can't wait for the new technologies that are going to be developed on this race. You know, I, I'm actually, I'm one of the technologies I've been uh, uh, clamoring for for the longest time is, is wireless power. And we're, we're actually getting to that. Uh, but I, I, I would I can't wait for just to, to get rid of all the cords that we have throughout the desk um, and <laughs> organize the clutter that that we all have. Um, but I, I think one of the things that we we're, we're also maybe not seeing is the ability to once we get to the moon or once we get up there, uh, we can have a, a a place that's easier to to uh, to launch other items from. So. Uh, it costs a lot of money to get items into space from from Earth, but once you're up in space, uh, outside of the um, Earth's orbital gravity, uh, you can we can send um, different missions. We can we can explore a lot easier once we get out of uh, our initial uh, the gravity field. But um, being able to have a uh, that access point is going to be critical. Number one because there are a 
ton of resources uh, just in our in our own neighborhood uh, in our uh, solar system neighborhood uh, with asteroids. We can uh, one of the first trillion dollar companies that that's going to uh, be in existence is the first team who can get up and, and mine certain asteroids due to their immense uh, resource. Uh, 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 richness. I mean, so there's there's iron, there's uh, there's gold, there's water, there's t- uh, tons of uh, uh, elements that we just uh, that are sparse down here, but out in space, uh, it's it's almost vast and, and and endless. So being able to have a um, a landing point to be able to to get and access those those resources, that's going to fuel our uh, the, the next um, stage of our of our economy and the next stage of our. Um, progression as as a uh, as a country and as a species well what's interesting is our return to space and and everybody talks about why are the commercial companies involved you know why are they involved the and, and the big thing is one uh, to uh, reduce the cost to get into space because that we are going to be needing to get there soon uh, to be able to make sure that the people who are in space are safe uh, and then be able to uh, to leverage those those different industries. Maybe think of it as um, like the uh, um, plant growing plants. What if we can master growing plants in space? We can then take some of that knowledge and, and apply it down here. So there's a lot of different industries that this touches. Um, but again, it's it, it's going to come back to private industry, money, and and uh, getting access to those different resources that are. Uh, just right around the corner from us. So I'll put my business hat on. The reason why businesses are uh, interested in going to space is that they have a return on investment. They see profits. They they see that while there is a lot of risk, there's potential for a lot of return. And that's the reason the big companies are in there. And a lot of them are betting on that uh, return on investment. Uh, when we look at the moon, we're looking at uh, you know the liquid oxygen. It's the first stage to move out to uh, further our exploration in space. They have a human habitat there to be able to live there safely, gr- grow the plants that you're talking about, live there, mine the ores that are currently on the moon, and, and being a, a, a stepping stone to future asteroids uh, that are out there, which are minerally rich. Uh, going to Mars is the same thing. Uh, so the moon has some water. Uh, it's been indicated. So it's a, a possibility to make it a, a staging point. It, it, I see the moon as a staging point, initial uh, mining, uh, and and also a uh, refueling depot. Yeah, is the way I look at the moon. Absolutely. What, what do you see? And so when you think about it, the um, right now it costs ten thousand dollars to put a pound of payload into Earth orbit. So for every okay. pound that we get in there uh, on a space shuttle, it costs ten thousand dollars. And NASA's goal is their their goal is to get that down, of course, to. Um, $100 per pound within 25 years and tens of dollars within 40 years. Now, the reason why that's important is because that is one of the reasons why space travel is expensive. It, it takes a lot of energy to, to get uh, uh, to moving fast enough to, uh, to get into Earth's orbit. But once you get it out into the moon, like you mentioned, if we have it at staging point, it's it's a different ballgame when we're talking about uh, traveling from there. Um, we can also say that uh, from the moon, you can do things uh, that you wouldn't be able to do on, on Earth, uh, such as be able to put different uh, telescopes or, or different uh, uh, scientific uh, measurement tools that we couldn't do here because of our atmosphere or the different uh, radio signals or different things that may uh, disrupt Impede, the, the scientific yeah. uh, 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 tools and, and, uh, and, and instruments. But having a place outside of our of our uh, uh, traditional home is 
there's a lot of advantages to, to have that. Yeah, and, and and there's a lot of buzz right now with SpaceX. I mean, uh, going to the moon seems like the next best thing to do, and it's a logical reason to go. Uh, it is, as I said, um, the ores there. There's a from a private industry perspective. Its ability to explore and get a return on investment from a government perspective is a partnership sharing, so it's not so costly. And uh, more importantly, uh, it's going to have future advantages. Uh, So, you know, so I was um, I I was mowing the lawn yesterday and I uh, I was listening to uh, a podcast about the uh, the history and the, the, the growth of the compact disc. Mm-hmm. And when the when the compact disc first came out, the the actual discs that the the, the, uh, the CD readers were about a thousand dollars, and and that's that's this huge brick of a of a um, of a device. Well, what ended up happening is that the the, the CDs that were out in about eighty two eighty three those are about seventy dollars in today's money that for each each album. So that's of course that that initial price point is is out of reach for for most people but what spacex is doing is the same thing that uh that happened to the the cd is it made uh, the cost go down and down and down and and really spacex has disrupted uh the the market for for um the space exploration in a dramatic way that is uh it should be noted that it would be like being able to buy an iphone for the same same type of iphone for just 50 bucks rather than the thousand dollars that that it costs now uh being able to have a re, uh, reusable product is uh, it, it's a game changer and it's really going to reduce the cost of, of entry to get into space which will then help the adoption get further and further and, and uh, help us out for uh, uh, getting further into, into exploration. So let me uh, do a quick uh, little uh, uh, walk in history. Um, uh, you know, Mercury 7 manned in, in the space, 1961. Uh, eight years later, Apollo 11 in uh and uh, entered in 1969 into the moon, and then of course 72 was the last time we were there. It's almost uh, 50 years, and here we are talking 2024, uh, at least in orbit around the moon, if not an actual landing, another five years from now. And and of course the exploration of technology from the capsule with the new capsule being Orion. A lot of people are betting on Orion because of the uh, safety features, the uh, technology features, as far as Keeping crews uh, warm, um, back up five different different computer systems, three main computers to cross check that everything's working correctly, ability to communicate, navigate. Travel the distance and duration is always uh, an impediment. Uh, uh, it, you know, it's just like taking a a long car ride. You get impatient after a while, so it takes a certain type of individual to sit that back and, and and relax and enjoy the ride and enjoy the view. And it's, I know it's gorgeous up there, uh, based on some of the uh, you know the telescope pictures that we've sent back down. But the uh, the technology, I am really looking forward to the technology. The the ores that we can capture and making uh, really the moon's going to have to be the staging place in yep. the next ten years because yep. that allows us to move out the International Space Station. We've learned a lot. We know we can work in the space. The it, space is dangerous. Uh, the, the radiation, um, you know, the asteroid, uh, different activities, solar belts uh, that we have to deal with. Yeah, the, so. there's um, and there's a lot more that people may not realize is there's a uh, 
living on Earth, we, we, we have the fortune of having one of the largest magnets uh, in our solar system, and, and that's the Earth's core. And really, that's what keeps us safe from uh, the, the sun's magnetic or the sun's uh, uh, radiation. Um, it, it, uh, as a fun side bit, when uh, when you look up and see the aurora borealis or the northern lights, that's actually those uh, those charged particles or charged ions coming from the sun that are being captured and, and uh, uh, taken towards the Earth's pole. So it's it's Earth doing its job of, of protecting us. Um, the I, I think that there's not just a technology standpoint, but um, I think it's how we can apply those that technology to make our, our lives better in, in unforeseeable ways. So we're taught. You mentioned uh, uh, make, making sure that people don't get sick uh, on the way or, or live in comfort. Well, I mean, it's, it's when you think about the that, that space shuttle, it's like they have a, a personal nest system in the, this space shuttle where everything knows what everyone's doing, um, and it could be like a Big Brother kind of aspect, but that that could lead down to a um, another target that we could talk about. It is it's how it's going to change not just our physiology, but how it's going to change our, our political systems, how it's going to change the way that we, that we think, and and how we can learn from our past. When, when different colonies came out and um, how are we going to learn from the past to make sure that um, we're addressing the best uh, way to, to govern ourselves in the future uh, uh, appropriately. Yeah, we got about a minute left. Let me just uh, uh, summarize a little bit, and I'll and let you summarize some of the uh, takeaway item. Think about a takeaway item from the segment. More importantly, uh, you know, we're talking about a new uh, spacecraft, Orion, the space launch system, the boosters to get us off of uh, Earth orbit, uh, launch us towards the the moon. The first pass uh, will be just a, a regular around the moon. Uh, and the next segment, what I would like to talk about is other countries and competitors are out there because there are plenty of competitors and, and countries that want, have gotten to the moon, will continue getting to the moon. And so this is a, kind of a, a mini uh, moon race uh, to who's going to get there and who's going to habitat, uh, create the first habitat uh, to stay in the moon. So those are the things I think about. I think about the technology that we're going to have to, uh, from a spacecraft perspective, the miniaturization, a, be- a better enhanced computer system, better enhanced Enhance uh, communication and navigation system, the ability to uh, deal with emergencies as uh, should be able to deal with all emergencies that have occurred uh, to us uh, to this time. And yes, you can't predict everything, but you ought to be able to handle the ones that you know of. And uh, I've learned a very long time ago, you ought to be able to learn from the past and those mistakes. What is your one takeaway from this segment as we move to the next? I think a good uh, segue would be... um, give you a little factoid about uh, uh, Neil Armstrong's quote, his famous quote when he first landed on the moon. Uh, The quote is, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. What he meant to say was actually, he he messed up. What he meant to say was, one one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind. And really, that that leads to what you're talking about, Jose. It's, this is important to make sure that this is a global effort we're, we're, we're really one species and and be able to work together that's when we're at our best and and i think that that's a good segue folks uh we've been talking about space why return to the moon uh my guest today is uh mr mike uh, gargan uh space enthusiast uh a technologist a geek about space and uh, we'll be right back
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks, to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Our show today is Space, Why Return to the Moon. My guest today is uh, Mr. Mike Gargan, a space enthusiast, a technologist, uh, and just a plain space geek. Uh, Mike's been helping me discuss space, the adventure of space, the information we need to know uh, about space, and, and hopefully highlight some of the information that you have not been aware of. Uh, but the progression to the exploration of space headed back to the Mars and and specifically the moon first uh, is key to our ex, uh, space exploration and so we're going to continue on with our third segment. There's other countries that are involved in space. You, you had uh, China that landed a, a probe on the uh, dark side of the moon. You have J- Japan who's increasing their capabilities to land on the moon and of course the, the, the U.S. has already said with Mike Pence, our Vice President has said we're going to be in the moon at 2024. You have uh, the, the SpaceX has uh, dictated that they will at least do a flyby by 2023 and man on the moon by 2024 during that time frame. So there's a lot of commercialization. We've gone from a, pro- a government-only space exploration or space activity to now a, a government private station commercialization of space. There seems to be a lot of return investment. There's a lot of enthusiasm about going to space. Uh, it's 
it's a lot of money. There's no question, but people believe there's a lot of interest and a lot of return on investment. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. Uh, Mike, as we move forward to on the segment, uh, any comments on the Chinese, Japanese, and other countries that are exploring space? Because I do see that as a mini space race and just personal pride, national pride. Yeah, and you know, there's um, as I mentioned earlier, as a species, we work better together. That that's what we're we're, so, we're a social species, and and we really shine when we're, when we're at our best and united we fall divided we, united we stand divided we fall um and when you think about uh just as a, as a globe we may think differently than other cultures and, and we may have different approaches to different challenges that may not be uh as apparent in other cultures or vice versa so being able to have a different um and one spreading the risk <laughs> but being able to to have different um thoughts different uh Ideas, different approaches, I think is is just a good thing, and and big, building goodwill toward, towards everyone, uh, being able to collaborate and work together, uh, that's that, that's really uh, it's invaluable to, to talk about how how important that is to us as a, as a species and, and this planet because um, we, we we really do do better together. Yes, and as we look at space and exploration, I'm just looking at some of the space angels out there. There's about 120 venture capital firms uh, uh, investing over $3.9 billion in the private space enterprise. That was just last year. Uh, So the space uh, globalization is no longer dominated by the Cold War rivals, the U.S., the USSR. Uh, We mentioned uh, China, Russia, India, Japan, French. Uh, You know, these are orbital launches uh, back in uh, there's been 72 orbital launches since 2018 and they've been averaging two per week and they're in launch pads out of New Zealand uh, New, French New Guinea the US Japan India Russia China so these are the players that are playing in the next space race uh, you know and innovation you know from US companies we've talked about SpaceX we talked about the Boeing there's orbital science uh, Sierra Nevada Virgin Galactica out there trying to give everybody a suborbital uh, ride. Uh, I think it's about 100,000. You've got uh, X-Core out there and, then of course, other companies, many, many other companies. And it's important because I see, and I, I don't remember the exact number, but uh, there's anywhere between, I'm going to say, 750 to 1,200 new satellite systems that are going to be launched in the next 10 years. It's quite a lot. And, and to that point, we need to know where all those other or, uh, those, those uh, objects are. I mean, we're, if we're cluttering up the Earth's orbit, um, the one little grain of sand uh, that is orbiting Earth, if that hits one of those, just a grain of sand hits a, a, one of the satellites, it can cause catastrophic damage because of how, quick, how fast it's actually moving. Um, so being able to, to know what each other's doing, that's important. Um, being able to, to communicate and, and uh, talk about uh, planning together, that it's, it's just making sure that um, uh, it's, we're learning from everyone else's uh, um, trials and errors as well. So one, we have to know what, where everyone else is doing. Otherwise, we're just going to uh, just kind of like a, my dad called beehive soccer, where all the little kids just go and, and run to, towards the ball and not really have a plan. But if we're working together, we can have that plan and we can um, uh, make it as efficient as possible. 
So as we commercialize space and it doesn't become such a nationalistic uh, uh, adventure or or venture, uh, depending on how you look at it, uh, the privatization of spacecrafts in the space industry. Any comments on uh, where do you think the projection is on on where we're going to head with uh, privatization? I think that um, privatization is... One of the things that makes privatization more more efficient than than a government run program is is how agile it can be. So you can pivot and and move uh, when when it, the uh, opportunity arises. If you're if you're working with a private industry, you can actually you can do that. Whereas the the public uh, funded program, it's a little bit more difficult to uh, to say, hey, you know what? Here's something that new that's came up that we didn't know was uh, possible or, or available, and to be able to, to kind of to change course that quickly is not the the government's strong suit. So it's really to take advantage of what the best of, of both worlds is being able to have that privatization to be able to say, hey, you know what? We didn't even realize that there, there's this new opportunity out here that we can take advantage of. I think that's really more so uh, of what is one of the most advantages that, that we can get with privatization because of that. It's just what we don't know and being able to be nimble and agile is uh, is super critical. Uh, and, and lastly, to be able to say, um, while it's not nationalistic, there's there's going to be a lot of companies who are vying for uh, those resources who do pay taxes who do um, will be bring jobs and, and make sure that uh, uh, our economy or that the economy is uh, positively affected by by those uh, companies and, and where they're from. So there there's not a, maybe a nationalistic effect, but there's going to be a uh, a dollar effect that is going to be uh, affecting everybody. Yes, as I look at the, uh, I'm going to call it the 21st century new space uh, age uh, events, uh, where we're using uh, uh, robotics for spacecraft and, uh, and these drones that are laying in different parts. Uh, we've just uh, launched one that's gone further into our inner solar system. Uh, you know, so uh, exploring the planets, the uh, asteroids, the comets, the the inner and outer solar system is critical for our knowledge today. But what's really improving our uh, our knowledge base is the rapid progression of these private companies. Uh, as I said, there's 120 different venture capitalists. When I think about countries and just this just, just information, just countries alone that are interested in space, you've got China, you got the Europeans, you got Iranians, you got Israel, Italian, Korea, uh, both the North. North and South Korea, you have the Indians, you have Japan, you have the United States, you got France, Ukraine, uh, Russia. So these are just uh, various countries uh, that have, uh, you know, almost the uh, interest in space, have launched, uh, have launched rockets into space. So they are familiar with the orbit. Uh, there are six space agencies. You got the Chinese, the European, the Indian, the Japanese, the U.S., and of course the uh, Russians space agency. <laughs> You know what's interesting was when you um, you're talking about the, uh, all these different countries mm-hmm. in the past, and maybe some uh, there's a bit today, but there's you know, there's always that bit of skepticism as to trying to hide what you're doing, what the real plan is. A lot of people could see, um, for example, North Korea. Uh, there they may be saying, "Hey, this is for peaceful purposes only," but we know that in the past we. Our country itself it developed the, the space plan really to to compete with the Russians in terms of, uh, of the rocket technology. But the more that we work together, the less 
hiding that we have to do or the, the more trusting that we can be with each other. So that way there's, um, it, it really could be, uh, make sure that we're, we're headed towards, uh, altruism and not this, uh, uh, I got, you know, I'm trying to, uh, um, fight you or trying to make sure that we're hiding stuff from each other. Uh, we well, don't trust each other. That's going to be better. the real competition. Uh, is it going to be the altruism that you're talking about or is it going to be less, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, transparent? Yeah. I, I'm, I am launching, but it's a military purpose. I mean, we have moved from space being a sanctuary to space now becoming an active military domain. U.S. has moved to a space core. Why? Other countries are looking at space as a domain. Our concern, and, and I'll just speak for myself, my opinion is that we need to move out and understand what's out there. Uh, as I said, there's somewhere between 750 new satellites to 1,200 new satellites in the next 5 to 10 years. Uh, that's huge. And uh, understanding who's doing what and how does cyber or RF impact our satellites, uh, that's just, just general what I call low and medium orbit satellites, even in the high orbit there's just a few of them but if we're going to do real space exploration and that's what we're talking about uh the return to the moon and eventually to mars where moon becomes the satellite uh, a staging place we've got to progress in that direction and, and we also have to um think about reducing the risk amongst the different countries that are, are collaborating together that that keeps us everyone invested to be able to make sure that um, it, it does work because the more countries that are invested, the more open communications that, that there that there are uh, means that there's less likelihood of, of, of a rogue nation being uh, it's going to go out of control. So think of it as like the United Nations, maybe. And this is something I haven't looked into, but uh, maybe it's something that the U.N., uh, could take a lead in being able to say, "Hey, this, these are you know, we're the nations of the world. Let's collaborate together uh, rather than um, independently and, and uh, building distrust." So, ju- just a thought, and I haven't looked into that, but um, it's the more uh, the, the diversifying of risk, the more countries that have uh, a leg in the game are, are going to to make sure that things uh, uh, everyone plays nicely. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm sitting here, just a quick uh, uh, factoid is that the Apollo astronauts made only brief visits to only six places on the moon, all near the equator, says Richard uh, Von Dark, Deputy Director of Solar System Exploration Division of the NASA Goddard Space System. Our most recent missions, such as the LRO and LC. Ross are revealing new secrets of the moon, helping us identify new places to go, such as the polar regions. And that's oh, kind of what the Chinese did. They landed on the backside. That was very difficult. We always wanted to, uh, and dark side, I should say, not the backside, but the dark side, which is kind of interesting from a telecommunication, uh, telemetry, all those important technologies that needed to be used in order to make that successful landing. That was not an easy landing. And, and Pink Floyd albums, future Pink Floyd albums as well, but yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, and there's a there's a there's a quote. Now I'm going to butcher it, but there's a quote from um, there's a, there's a documentary called The Thin Blue Line, and really what the, the the gist of it is when you're in space, the astronauts are looking down at the Earth. You don't see the political boundary marks. You know, you don't you just you don't see that. It's just one big planet. And so by working together, uh, it, knowing that when you get up there, that the, the pro- our problems down here maybe seem small and, and petty when you, in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's uh, I think just 
going up there, being able to see, hey, you know, we're, we're one planet, let's work together. I think that's going to change people's mind once they get up there and have that, that revelation that um, uh, we, can, we can change and we, we can fix the, the world with which we have and we can apply, work together to, to, to make it better. Yeah, there's a quote here from uh, uh, Mike uh, Massimino. Um, he's a former NASA astronaut, now serves as a senior advisor to space programs at the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum as American professor of mechanical professor of mechanical engineering in Columbia. Uh, he, you know, he is very thankful for the commercialization. Uh, he sees, uh, as we talked about, uh, Virgin Galactica, uh, SpaceX, Boeing, Blue. Uh, origin these companies that are out there are really pushing the envelopes and that's what he sees and he sees us trying to get back into space and doing that space adventure and and you know start off with uh, virgin galactica doing the little tourist business you've got spacex will take you up a little further journey just a trip around the moon eventually they've already predicted they've got people signed up in my previous shows uh people signed up to go to the mars but i think uh really understanding that uh, the requirements and, and the habitats needed to establish that habitat, that new technology is critical for our uh, space exploration. And I, I think it's, um, to go back to that, it's also, it's important that we, we uh, have that bug, that we have that itch, that we have that desire to go see that. And we do as a country, we do as a species, to, to be able to, to see what's around the corner. Um, I think it's uh, a Folks, we're uh, about 30 seconds in, and let me just say our topic today was uh, space, why return to space. I'd like to thank Mike uh, Gargan for our discussion today. It's been interesting and lively. I mean, we approached the end of the hour, and it's just rapidly approached. I thank you for joining us in this uh, this week for space, why return to the moon, and I'll see you next week uh, on our next technology topic. Thanks for having me, Jose. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.